For scripture reading, we turn to Joshua. We start reading it. The last two verses of Joshua 2, and then read through Joshua 3. So the two men, and those are the two men that had been sent out as spies, who went to Jericho. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land. For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And then the next three verses are the text that we consider. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests, that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests 
that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So far, we read from God's holy word this evening. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, see how God prepares each generation. He repairs each generation for what is ahead. It had been 40 years since they had gone through the Red Sea. And since that time, many had died in the wilderness. And now the, the men who would be going forward to fight, and of course the women and children with them, that many of those who were older had seen how many had died in the wilderness, how many had fallen. The judgment that came upon those when Israel did not listen to God. They didn't follow him. They didn't follow the Lord. And now the time has come to go forward into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, of course, were two of them that were older, that would go through, and that did not die in the wilderness. And they and Joshua who had been chosen by God to succeed Moses, to follow Moses, would lead the people. And in this event, they would be very conscious of the fact that God was going before them. To see this, to see the waters stand up on a heap, and the Jordan River now to be able to go through the Jordan River on dry ground and to hear the word of God spoken through Joshua 
Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. Certainly to see this event, stress to them that the living God, the God of the whole earth, is among them, is present with them. And that he's leading them. And he has promised to drive out their foes. He will without fail drive out your foes. One would imagine that the people going forward were, would have their mind on, there's all these people that dwell in this land. We're going to go into the promised land. Well, it's not empty. There are all these people there. And they're going to come against us. And the people were told, do not fear. The living God, the God of all the earth, is, is with you, and he will lead you. He will guide you, and he will drive out your enemies. Follow him. And here, this, this evening, we look at a passage that about what was to take place before that happened and how God told them that they were to sanctify themselves. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. So he tells them how he's, God's going to go before them. They're going to follow the ark. They're told that they're told to go after the ark when they see the ark. It says, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. You're going to follow the ark. And God is going to show you and make very clear to you that the living God is among you, etc. You're going to see wonders. Sanctify yourselves. And when we hear that calling, we're to take that seriously. Sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow you're going to see wonders. God's going to do wondrous work before your eyes. Sanctify yourselves. That the people were to turn away from sin. To fear God. Fear God and depart from evil. Turn away from sin and follow your Lord. And we consider, we consider that subject tonight. But as we've had another announcement concerning, concerning sin. And as it, on the one hand, it, we're very saddened to hear about the sin. And when we hear about the sin, we do want to take the time also to stress how important it is that each one of us is really sanctifying ourselves. And that when we hear God say this to us, which he does, it's not simply that he said it to them at this time, right before this was going to happen, but he says it to us. Be ye holy. We're to turn away from our sin. 
We're to come to God in sorrow, with a godly sorrow for sin, confessing our sin, and fighting against it. We're to come as those who are genuinely sorry. And a great warning against someone that would gather for worship, and perhaps week after week gather for worship, and hear about God's wondrous works. It's not just when you actually see an event like this. But now today, we hear of God's wondrous works. And how important it is that when we come, that we come as those ready to worship. That we come to hear about the word of God. That we come as those who are sorry for our own sins. That we come as repentant sinners desiring to hear the words of forgiveness and deliverance. And that we want to stress, too, where it's also important for us to have our mind directed to the forgiveness of sins. And as the announcement that was read, too, brought out, too, the the forgiveness of sins, that there is forgiveness with God. And that when we come unto him with sorrow, he comforts us that we're washed, that we're cleansed. And then, and he's leading us, and he tells us, now, follow him. As Christ says, you know, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Follow your God, the God who is present in your midst, who is speaking to you who is leading you, hear his word, believe, believe in your Lord, and follow. We consider this passage under the theme, going after the ark. We consider, first of all, his presence, the fact that God is present among his people, taking as the idea that is found when Joshua said that hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. First we consider his, his presence and how he was showing them that he is present among them. Secondly, his leading as he is telling them to go after the ark that he is directing them He is telling them that he will lead them. He will lead the way. That he will show them the way. If the question is asked, well, how are we going to know what we are to do? That God says that he will show us. That he will lead us. And thirdly, we look at it from the viewpoint of our our following. Going after the ark, God's presence, his leading, and our following. First of all, with regard to the God's presence, as was pointed to by the fact that the ark of the covenant was going to go before them and go toward the, as they, uh, and the priests would hold it as they in the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River itself 
Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. And one point that is brought out here is that it was overflowing its banks so that it was wider than usual at, at this time, which was certainly presenting a barrier then. As far as traveling across it with everybody, with, with all these people getting across, including you know, all the women with, with children, and then not only all the people, but also all the animals. And to be able to cross this river. So this river definitely presented a barrier. And the Ark of the Covenant was going to go before them. And that Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, having the Ark going before them was to symbolize the fact that their God was with them. The Ark of the Covenant, also called the Ark of the Testimony, that had, it was made of acacia wood and was overlaid with gold. And then there were these staves that were to be used to, to carry it. That when it was moved, it would be covered when they would move and it would be carried. And the priests were going to hold, carry the ark, and in the ark were the tables of the testimony. And it's sometimes called the ark, the ark of the testimony. And so as one saw the ark, they were also to be thinking about what was in it. The word of God. And of course, as far as the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments said, Cursed is anybody that does not do what God's law says. But there was also over it that mercy seat. That mercy seat was over it with the blood that was sprinkled on it. So that it would testify to the fact that there is forgiveness with God. That God is merciful and he forgives sins. It pointed to the coming sacrifice of Christ. That there would be forgiveness for God's people. He would atone for sin. And that was the place where God spoke to his people. And that directs us to think of God's covenant, communion. Certainly the Ark of the Covenant directed us to remember God's covenant, that he's with us. And we're, he's our God and we are his people. And God spoke to them from, with regard to the Ark of the Covenant, God said in Exodus 25, and there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony. 
So that idea of God's communing with his people, God's covenant with his people. That God is in their midst, and though they are sinners, he forgives their sins. The coming mediator would come, who would offer the perfect sacrifice. God is with them. And the distance between the people and the ark was to be some 2,000 cubits. Now, if the cubit, thought that the cubit is roughly about a foot and a half, and if that's accurate, that the idea of the cubit is roughly about a foot and a half, then you've got around 3,000 feet that there would be between the ark and the people that were to follow it. Now, one of the purposes for that seems to have been that, on the one hand, everybody would see it. You can imagine all the, these large group of people, if you had this huge group of people, and if the ark was very close in front, but very close to people that, some people that were close to it might see it, but the other people that are quite a bit down, to be, how difficult, it would be more difficult to be able to see the ark. And to see that what happened with the water, took, that it took place when the ark, when the priests holding the ark, when their feet went into the water, when it, when it went into that riverbed, that then to be able to see that the water stands up on a heap and as the, and as the water below goes down, to be able to see that and to see that that happens when the priests are holding the, the ark and they get to the river. And it was important that everybody see that so standing some 3,000 feet, or however many feet it was, to be able to stand at that distance away, so that was a ways up there. And to be able, but far, but close enough that you could see it. Then they'd be able to see what took place and when it took place. <coughs> also, one thinks about the fearing God. Jehovah God is in your midst, and that the people were to fear him. Fear him in the sense of reverence, not in the sense of dread that they would run away from him, but that they would show reverence for God. And this event was to show that Jehovah was among them. And certainly anybody that saw this had that impressed upon them. I mean, how could it not be the case that you hear about what's going to happen and perhaps people, you know, you think of the ones that had grown up, ones that had grown up after the Exodus who had heard about the Exodus and how they went through and there was a wall of water on different sides. And now they had lived through the years that they knew 
certainly that would have impressed upon them Jehovah God, the living God, the God of the whole earth, is among us. The river stands on a heap. He's the living God. He's the God of the whole earth. And that was what was to be impressed upon them. Now, we weren't there. But we do know the living God is among us. How do we know that? How, how do you know that? How do you children know that? How do you know that Christ is in our midst? Well, the Spirit works faith in us. And as we grow, as we hear the word taught, the Spirit of God works in us faith. And we do know that Christ is among us, that we hear Christ's voice. We hear it. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And that means certainly if they hear his voice, they know he's present. They know he's present with us. And of course, as we, as we search the scriptures ourselves, we become more confident that it's not just that we're holding to certain teachings because well, we were taught it. We were taught it in our homes, in our schools, and in our church churches, so we're just holding what we're, we've been taught. Well, there's others that do that too. And in some places, what they're being taught is, is not correct. How do you know that what is taught to you is really correct? And when our young people make confession of faith, they often talk about how they're growing more to see that themselves, studying the scriptures themselves, and are conscious of the fact that Christ is speaking. Not only that Christ speaks in the sense that what you hear is the truth, but also the consciousness of the fact that he, he knows you. Christ says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And we hear God speaking to us, not only in the public proclamation, but we're conscious of it when we study the scriptures and we read it in our homes. We hear what God is saying to us. And he guides us into truth. There are many, of course, who deny there is a God. And we live in a time where that is increasing. Where so many people deny that there is one. Or they say they don't know if there really even is a God. It's interesting to consider the relationship between that evil, denying that there is a God, and then denying that what one's sex is, doesn't know if he's a man, 
doesn't know if he's a woman or if she's a woman. Today we have men that say they're women and women that say they're men. And all sorts of sexual perversion that take place today that goes with a rejection of God, as Romans 1 brings out. We know that the reality is that the true God, the living God, is among us. We are to confess the truth, the reality. The truth is the reality. And the scriptures speak of man and his sinful imaginations. Imaginations. Well, he doesn't want there to be a God, so he's just going to say there isn't one. He doesn't want to do what God says, so I'll just say there isn't one. If there isn't any God, then there isn't any law of God, then there isn't any punishment for sin. Of course, we know that the true God, there is a God. And we know he's among us. We hear his voice. We know this is his word. His spirit works in us, and we know that what we have here really is the infallibly inspired word of God. And we're not only conscious of the fact that he's present with us, but we're also conscious of the fact that He's leading us. He's showing us the way. The ark was to go before the people. And we read in the passage here, after the statement about there being 2,000 cubits and that they weren't to come near it, that it says that ye may know the way by which he must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. God was going to lead them. God was going to show them what to do. God was going to teach them how to fight. And they were going to be engaged in a spiritual battle. It wasn't going to be battling the way the... the earthly nations would fight one another in carnal warfare. But that they were to go forward believing in their God, looking to God to guide them. And when there was an obstacle, as there was here, to look to God to lead them. And to be conscious of the fact that God will lead us. So that when you come to an obstacle, you don't panic. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. Yeah. There are times in your life like that where you really don't know for a while, you don't know what to do. What are, what are we going to do with this Jordan? How are we going to get across this Jordan? I mean, there's this Jordan River. I mean, how, with all these people... And whether Adam, how are we going to cross this? There can be times where for a while, in the providence of God, we be in a situation 
where for a while we don't know. We don't really know what we're gonna, going to do next. But we know God will lead us today. And he'll show us what we need to do today. And we're conscious of that. And we're to pray and to look to him to lead us. He assures us he'll lead us, he'll guide us, he'll defend us. That we know. We may not know the specific details about what events are gonna ha- going to happen. But if we hear our God say, Fear not, I am with thee, and I will lead you. I will guide you. The ark went before them before. The idea of the ark going before them was seen earlier, too, when they went and left Mount Sinai. There was the idea of the ark going before them to search out a resting place. Is what we read in, in Numbers chapter 10. And the ark going before them pointed to the fact And certainly for them to see that, how they're following and the ark is way in front of them, that they are to be conscious of the fact that God will lead them. And when they see the ark go, they were to go after it. Now you think of how that would have been, what that would have impressed upon the people. That when he said, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after that. So you wait, and when you see that ark moving, when you see that the priests are carrying it and they're moving the ark, they're moving. It's ways up there, but you can see it. The ark is moving, and all the people know it's time to follow as a group. And that idea, too, following as a group. What a sight that must have been to see all these people following when the ark was moving ahead. Conscious of the idea that he leads us as a a body. That we're the body of Christ and Christ leads us together. He shows us the way together. He talks to us together. One of that brings out the importance of gathering for worship. Not everybody just worshiping in their own homes. It's not the idea that Christ would save us so that we could all just live in separation from one another. But that we would gather together. And that Christ leads us together. Different manifestations, different specific church. You know, a church is a manifest, instituted church is a manifestation of that, of that body of Christ. The people were to fear him. They were to show reverence for him and to follow. Now, of course, the one leading us is Christ our good shepherd. 
And as we had this, as we had this morning, Christ went down into death. And he arose. When our mind is, when our eyes are on the ark with that mercy seat over it and the blood sprinkled on it, and our mind is directed to Christ who went before us and who went down into death. And he arose as one who had overcome death and who would lead us into the rest. While we rest and have covenant communion with our God. And as we talked about this this morning, you can, we can look at it from the viewpoint of going to heaven, where Christ is. Christ has died, arose again, ascended into heaven, and that we also go and dwell with Christ in heaven. And in this life, we have a, a beginning, we enjoy a beginning of that resting with God. Christ has gone before us. And he said, I am going to go away and I will prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you unto myself. Prepares a place for us. He goes before. Well, that Christ is leading us now, too, in this life. And he's telling us the truth. where many would lead us astray. And it's out of love for you, for you who are, this applies to us all, but dressing specifically now the young people, children, young people, young adults, it is out of love for you that your parents and your grandparents talk to you about what your Lord says and warns you about the many that would lead you astray. That would lead you in a wrong direction. And if they sense that you're you're listening to those that are leading in the wrong way, They're going to want to warn you. Who are you listening to and what are they telling you to do? And why are you listening to them? That you know that what they're saying is not true. We have an evil nature. And when we hear what they say and what they try to entice us to do, we've got an evil nature that would want to do it. And there are others that that we would come across that are doing it and would encourage us to join them. Those are leading us the wrong way. Who are the ones that are leading you? Who are the ones you listen to to show you where to go, to show you what to do? And that's something for us at all ages. 
to examine ourselves about. Who are we listening to? Jesus is the one that tells us the truth. There's not only the false teachers from a church point of view that we must be on guard against, and we very much need to be on guard against. God said there would be strong delusion in the last days and that many would believe a lie. And there's many that teach false doctrines, and there are many churches that will tolerate sinful practices. And even if they occasionally may say something is wrong, they don't discipline anybody for it. But also there's the media that, and there's the, the, the world that we can, people can easily watch, the people of this world that are constantly presenting to us their ideas and asking, trying to get us to follow their lead. And many are, it certainly applies to many sexual sins. We're not to follow them. Christ is telling us the truth. Many would tell us what is not true, it's not reality. What they say, when they say something like, well, you can be a woman and you can want to be in a relationship with another woman and you can get married to another woman, that is not reality. Or a man wanting to be with a man, that's not reality. The one that are telling you that, that you, a man can marry a man, that's not reality. Christ tells us the truth. He tells us what reality is. And he's leading us in the right in the right way. And of course there are many that would lead us where it is the case that it's a man and a woman. But would lead us to commit acts of fornication outside of marriage. And perhaps say that, you know, when, as long as you're consenting, as long as you're consenting, it's okay. You can't force somebody else, but as long as you're consenting, it's all right. But that's not true. Outside of marriage, it's not true. And people talk about it all the time. They talk about acts that they're you know, blatant acts of fornication and adultery. Yet what they're doing is sin. And the judgment of God will come upon all those that don't turn from their sin. And when somebody says, no, there's not going to be any judgment of God, that's not reality. There really will be. God's judgment will come upon the ungodly. We see that in this very history. What was going to happen to the Canaanites? Because they're, they're, they're part of this story too. What about those Canaanites? The judgment of God that would come upon the Canaanites and those that would live like the Canaanites. 
And of course, God would gather his people. As we already saw in chapter 2, that, that there was a Ra- somebody like Rahab in their midst that would turn from their sin to God. That God works in his elect people and gathers them from the nation. We're to keep our eye on Christ, on his covenant, and meditate on his word, and to follow him. He's leading us, and we're to follow him. So we not only hear what he says, but we follow. So that like in this event, that they would not only see that the priests were holding the ark and it was moving, and they were moving with the ark, but that the people would follow. They wouldn't just stand there. You were told to follow, and you hear that, and you just and you just stand there. You don't. But didn't you hear what God said? He said we're supposed to follow. You think of somebody if somebody was just standing there. He told us we're supposed to follow the ark. We're not just supposed to stand here and watch it. We're supposed to follow. Well, also when God tells us what we're to do and what we're not to do, we are not to hear that and then not do what he says. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? So you're not really turning from it. Now someone will say, well, we're all sinners. Yes, we we are. And it's the case that all of us will, you know, we've been told things we weren't supposed to do and we did them, and we know what we're supposed to do and we haven't done it. But we're to come to God and genuinely ask for forgiveness and genuinely seek the strength to fight it, that we're not walking in it. We don't intend to keep doing it. Sanctify yourselves, God says. They were to follow the ark, and following the ark, they would be following the Lord. And that's interesting to consider the, you know, the symbolism of the ark. When they were following the ark, they would be following the Lord, because that's what God told them to do. So following the ark is their symbolism there and following the ark and the reality is that they were to follow God and that's what they were doing because God told them to follow the ark. It's interesting to consider places to cons- when there's symbolism to consider how the reality that it points to is present in that very event. That in the very event you see the symbolism of people following the ark and the reality is us following God's leading. Well, they were doing the reality. That, was, that reality was happening when people were following by faith. Granted, unbelievers might do it just outwardly. But those that were doing, following by faith, believing what God said and being submissive, we're following. 
And God says, sanctify yourselves and follow. Sanctify yourselves. Sanctifying yourselves, God says he sanctifies us. He makes us holy. We are holy. We're holy and righteous in Jesus Christ. And the Spirit says he will dwell in us and sanctify us to be members of Christ, applying unto us that which we have in Christ. The washing away of our sins and the daily renewing of our lives, as he says we say in the baptism form. It's also the case that we have a calling to sanctify ourselves. Now Christ works in us to do that. He works in us both to will and to do. And we see that we see that the, the calling right here, sanctify yourselves. And that meant not only in, in external things. There are times when we would read of people washing or changing clothes, so on. Not only an external kind of a sanct cleansing, but also the, the inner turning away from sin to God. We're to flee youthful lusts. Second Timothy 2 says that. It was just a little farther down than what we read this morning. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lusts, but follow. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Follow. God says flee, follow. Sanctify yourselves, follow. We're to come as those that are desiring to hear the wonders, wondrous works of God as they were going to behold God's wondrous work. Christ is God. God, Christ, is merciful. We're to be so, we're to come as those that are so thankful and to follow as those that are so thankful that we've been forgiven. And when we've fallen into grievous sin we can feel so ashamed you know you have things that you've said and things you've done that you're ashamed of maybe there's some things others are aware of and others that people are not God comforts us we feel so ashamed Filthy. God tells us we're, we're washed, we're whiter than snow. And we hear that and say, I know God says that. Believe that. Believe that. 
that we're cleansed of our sin. And we, somebody is turned from a sin and sorrow, then we like to express to them our love and the comforting truth of forgiveness. And we embrace them as those who are forgiven sinners as they are. Who are together thankful for the mercy God has shown us. Thankful for his mercy. We're to follow Christ's example. He's not only told us what to do, but he's also given us an example to follow him. We're to love one another. And Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. And as I have shown you my love, love one another. Look to our God for what we need. And when there are difficulties that we'll face, and sometimes in connection to sin, there are some difficulties that we face. The Lord will be with us. The Lord will grant strength to us, even as he has granted strength to our fathers in the past. May we encourage one another. May we together follow our Lord. May we together praise him and offer ourselves a sacrifice of thanksgiving. May his name be glorified. Our God, the God of the whole earth, who is our God and our Father, and who has saved us by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God and our Father, we come unto thee, O Lord, confessing our own sins. And we're so thankful that we know that the living God is among us. We do know that's true. Thy spirit doth work within us. And we know thou art with us. And we know thou art with our children. As we're mindful of the covenant, as we remember what thou hast told us, the covenant that thou hast made with us and with our children. May we together, parents and children, married and single, young and old, may we together follow and encourage one another in these days. We're thankful for thy mercy. We're thankful for thy grace. Uphold and strengthen us and all thy people, for Christ's sake. Amen.